Hello, listeners. This is First in Gold with Freddie and Pete, a football podcast with everything 49ers first. See, we, we're seven days out, and it's uh, it's getting close now to, to D-Day, draft day. Um, you know, we're both obviously looking at um, what's going to kind of come to fruition for not just the 49ers, but, you know, I think the Jets are – are definitely going to be an important kind of uh, dic- it's going to dictate really kind of what ends up happening uh, in my opinion, in regards to what happens with us, you know, for the rest of the draft. So I guess I'll start there. What, um, as we get closer now and we're a week away as I'm wearing my Colin Kaepernick number seven Jersey, you know, for, for good luck. What's uh, what's going on in your head now in terms of temperature and, and uh, where do you see, the Jets, you know, kind of going, and then how does that, you know, lead into what we decide to do with the three pick? I still firmly believe that the Jets are going to go with Zach Wilson. Um, There's probably a possibility that they might be interested in Justin Fields, but Mm -hmm. I think Wilson just offers so much more upside. Uh, So, but after listening back to what we were discussing in the last episode about Trey Lance and, 49ers wanting to hold on to Jimmy and and possibly having him for the next two years, it just seems like maybe Trey Lance might be the pick. You get possibly two years to develop him without, you know, any kind of worry. Um, he's a good insurance policy if Jimmy Garoppolo does get hurt and, and you need somebody else to uh, start a few games. That's an instant upgrade over Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And if, um, if Trey Lance develops quicker and looks solid, you know, after the first year, then you can trade Jimmy and get, you know, draft picks to help fill other holes uh, along the roster. I I think that's just um, possibly the most likely to happen. He has the highest upside. He's, you know, he's got probably the biggest arm, and he seems to be really intelligent and learns playbooks really well. He's played in a pro-style offense. It just seems like he – and the 49ers have, you know, that timeline where they don't need somebody right away to plug in. Hmm. Just I would actually put some money on it that Trey Lance goes at number three. And another thing is 49ers never really – let anyone know who they're going to pick, you know, like it's always been kind of a, a guessing game and what the majority of people think never turns out to be the, the case. Right. So if everybody's saying Mac Jones, that, that might just be the smoke screen. And then, Hey, it was Justin Fields or, or maybe it's Trey Lance that they're looking at. They put a lot of stock into his pro day as well. Having Jordan Matthews there, John yep. Beck. Yep. So that's kind of like a lot of insider, you know, kind of a lot of stock into it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I think right now we're living in a world of complete mystery in regards to what everyone's thinking and doing. And this starts with Jacksonville at one and obviously New York at two. Uh, I look at it as like we're living in Loki's world right now. Everyone is a, is a master of, of um, mischief and shape-shifting and deception, you know. And that's, and that's honestly like what we're dealing with is you know there's all these illusions that are being created on who's going where and why and you know again i mean when we look at when we look at new york uh i'm not convinced 
right now at April 22nd, still a week away from the draft, that Zach Wilson will be their guy. I'm just not. And as we get closer and I wake up next Thursday and I put on my Justin Fields jersey and, and obviously um, go and, and get ready to watch the draft and, and see how it all unfolds, you're still not going to convince me that Zach Wilson, uh, his name is going to get called at two uh, from the Jets because I, I, I just have a gut feeling you know, that that can change the whole draft and the whole dynamic and why San Francisco traded up you know, on his pro day, um, to the three spot, you know, uh, you know, Salah had to have told him something and it may not be that, that, uh, that they were going to take, you know, Zach and, and we already were locked in on, on Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields, but it, it's just uh, with everything that's been going on and said, I just, I can't put that in stone. I can't, you know, put that in, in cement and say that that's how it's going to shake out in the first couple, you know, two, three picks. Because I don't think I, I don't think you know it never works out that way. You said it earlier. Like um, everything right now is is we we always deal with San Francisco having their cards close to the chest. That's just how they operate. That's how Lynch is. That's how you know uh, Shanahan obviously has been over the last few years. Uh, we, you know I I never I, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or or um, C D Lamb were going to get picked. You know, and it ended up being Javon Kinlaw, and then they go back in there and they take Ayuk, and so right now there's obviously a lot uh, still to kind of unpack. But you know, when we look at the three spot, checking the temperature on my end, I, I'm I'm still rocking with number one out of Ohio State. I I think that he's the guy that you know you give the keys to, you start fresh, you go into 2021. He's the guy. Um, he makes a Justin Herbert like type of impact. And you ship off Jimmy and, and uh, you know, hard feelings, you know. Uh, it was time and uh, wish you the best. Uh, and, and, and that's really how it is. It's a business, you know. It's not personal. Um, and that's just how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't see that scenario working out any other way. If Lance is the pick, then, yeah, then, 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 then obviously I know um, we're going to have to wait a little bit to see Lance kind of un, unleashed and to see what he can do. But for now, I mean, there's there's just no doubt in my mind that, you know, it, it, it has to be Wilson or Fields, you know, in terms of w what happens at that three spot. Um, but, you know, with, with, with Jimmy, there, there's some co some complications there. Uh, there's some risk there, um, and which is why I just think you, you get rid of the headache and you get rid of the financials behind it, too. You use that money for extensions or you know, getting other key guys that you want to get, maybe making another trade, uh, being able to afford, you know, some other bigger impact names that, that might be available, um, you know, and I think that that's the direction I would go in uh, in a week. Um, but a, lot, a lot's going to happen, obviously, that day. And so as we get closer to it, you know, we got to start looking at Friday. What happens Friday with, a day, you know, the, the second and third round? What impact players are we looking at then? And I think... That's kind of where I leave it. <clears throat> I leave a lot of it, you know, in regards to where do you think some of the positions that, that we, we're going to want to fill and why do you think that we're going to want to look at those positions, um, you know, on, on the second day, you know, next Friday. So what, what are your thoughts now in regards to what direction the Niners go in uh, day two, uh, second and third round? What are we looking at? We've, we've taken a look at, you know, what the 49ers, what we think the 49ers should do with their first pick. Now, 
Now, what's going to be important is the 49ers are going to have a lot of holes that they'll need to fill throughout the rest of their roster. And we had already talked about some of the the points we think that they should emphasize, and that being the wide receiver, the cornerback, the edge, and possibly the offensive line position. Um, So what do you think, going into day two of the draft, what do you think they should focus on with their second and third picks? Yeah, so I, I think for me, defensive end is always going to be a priority. And I don't I don't care if you're talking first round up to the seventh round. I mean, you look at the success that the team had two years ago and then the and on the flip side of that, the lack thereof success, you know, in 2018 and, and last year is because of a lack of, you know, sacks and turnovers. And it always starts with the D line. I mean, John Lynch, you know, came from the Tampa system. He knows what a good line looks like with the Warren Saps and Simeon Rices of the world. And, you know, he understands the value of just penetrating the pocket, collapsing the pocket, creating havoc, having a demonic pass rush. I mean, I've used that term before, but I really believe that you look at a guy and, and I know like a quitty pay might, might be gone when you get into the second round. Uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami might be gone, but you know, any of those guys, his counterpart, Gregory Rosso, if he's available, I'd say, you know, the, the, the need for value at the pins position is going to be critical. So if any of those names starts to fall deep into the late first, early second round, and you have the capital to snatch one of those guys in regards to maybe like they did with IU jumping up and grabbing them because maybe you valued quitty pay at, at a 15 pick overall, but now he's available with the 31st pick. You know, maybe you do make a trade with with Kansas City or or with Tampa and and jump up and grab a guy like that. So I I think right now I would want a starter at the defensive end position that can come in. And, you know, obviously none of these guys are going to be Nick Bosa. Uh, I I don't think none of them are going to be Miles Garrett year one. And I don't think anyone should expect that, uh, regardless of where they're drafted. So if, if Quiddy or, or Justin uh, get drafted in the top 20, that's fine. I, I, I don't think that, you know, they, they're going to come in and, and give you double-digit sacks. But, you know, the, the long-term benefit of having a guy that's a first-round value that you can get later, whether it's in the late first or early second, is appealing to me. So... No question about it. I'm going defensive end. I don't trust D Ford right now to ever come back from injury because of his neck. I know, you know, the, the Niners sign Arden Key and, and Epiglon from, from L.A., which to me are more rotational guys. You're going to need depth regardless, wh- wh- whether you're talking D end or D tackle. But I still want the starting lineup, you know, when they go on the field for the first series, I want those four guys to basically all be guys that can get double-digit sacks. Uh, ideally. And, and I mean, that's, that's just, that's how they were built. That's how, that was a setup, you know, two years ago. And, and, you know, we don't have DeForest Bunker anymore. Uh, we don't have the name that was a D four two years ago. So I still think there's some rebuilding there. So that, that's where yep. I would go. Now at pick uh, 43, do you think the 49ers can get anybody that'll have an immediate impact, you know, on the team? Well, that's what I'm saying. If anyone falls, that is the value, right? So I think I'm looking at it. Do you force, do you force a pick at 43? Like if you get the seventh ranked defensive end instead of like the second or third best wide receiver available or uh, defensive back? No, 
No, because I, I also think that you can fall into a trap of, you know, trying to fit a square peg in a round, in a round hole. And then you're like, oh, well, this guy was the seventh ranked prospect at this position. We should get him now because if we don't, you know, we're going to end up getting somewhere later. Whereas if there's another position that you need and there's more value there, that, that that's that's where you go. You know, I don't think you overthink it. So I would I would say that if, at the 43 position, if you still can get a guy who's falling and slipping, that's the values there for the DM position, then you pull the trigger. Otherwise, you don't force it. You know, you don't force it. Now, I don't get a punter, right, <laughs> with the 43rd pick because he's the, he's the first-ranked punter. Come on. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to – you know, I don't, I don't want to also do that just to secure the number one punter in the draft. But uh, there's no question. I, I still think they need a wide receiver. They need a defensive back. So is that kind of what you're thinking for, for those picks? For me, I – outside of, like, the top three, maybe four – edge prospects in this draft i don't i don't think there's much to really look at in the second and third rounds mm-hmm. um for me this i think there's a lot of talent at the quarterback cornerback position mm-hmm. and i think that's where we can get a hell of a value um because there's going to be guys like asante samuel greg newsome the second mm-hmm. that could potentially go late first round or mm-hmm. where second round and they're going to be great value like i think asante samuel might be one of the underrated cornerbacks in this draft. He he looks really solid, um, and I think he could make an impact, especially if if any of the guys get injured. Mm-hmm. He can come in, and I don't think they would have to worry about you know changing much up uh, from a you know design uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You got to think about the future. All these starters at the 49ers have a quarterback cornerback position. Mm-hmm. They're all there on a one year deal, so I, I don't even think most of all of them will be back. So you might want to plan for the future there as well. Um, I, I just think you're going to be able to find a couple guys either in the second or the third round that will yeah. probably have a better impact than you'll be able to get at, at 43 with an edge um, player. Yeah, I'm a believer in, in tweeners uh, in those rounds. And what I mean by that is a guy who – can play in a versatile system that can be considered a D end or an outside linebacker. Um, maybe is a little bit more raw, but has some, some tangibles and intangibles that um, are kind of off the charts. So <clears throat> like someone who has a burst to close, you know, strength or um, obviously height, weight, and speed are going to be important. Uh, d- tremendous upside motor, right. Is always going to be important for a defensive end. Uh, but then you can teach things like, you know, like Nick Bosa had a rare aptitude for like uh, hand coordination and also oh, his yeah. hand movements. His technique was, but not every guy's like that. But can you teach yeah. it? Sure, it takes time. But th- there are guys that are just as strong as Nick Bosa. I mean, that they're just stars. Kilo Mac is is a, a freight train, right? Um, mm-hmm. But Kilo Mac also wasn't polished like uh, like Nick was coming out. So I think there's things you can teach with those guys. But a tweener, like um, there's a guy I remember from uh, Washington. Joe Tryon, I think he's one of those guys, and, and I'm familiar with Washington because obviously, like you know, it's it's not far from me. But I, I think with a guy like that uh, who can be a second or third rounder, I mean, great project or somebody to to try to mold into. And you never know. I mean, depending on the scheme you're running or even the the team you're playing, um, having a guy that that can play both positions uh, is great. It's no different than you know when you draft a defensive back, right? And and the guy can play safety or inside outside corner. 
um, versatility in the second and third round for a guy with high upside to me is always appealing. Yeah, definitely in those rounds, you want to look for, you know, the best player available. You don't always want to try to push a need. Um, and and I think that with the way the game is going and how these uh, quarter quarterbacks are being becoming so mobile and creating outside of, you know, desi- the design play, I think cornerbacks are going to help a lot in, in kind of just stopping that deep threat in like DK Metcalf because he can get over the top of the safeties and then rust right. with his arm strength booting out you know he can just toss it over the safeties and it's just one-on-one matchup and there's not many faster than dk or that can even match his speed yeah and and then and then stop that catch so even though he doesn't have like the best hands it's a lot of times it's just an easy catch for him you build your team based on who you're playing and it is no secret that when you're playing a Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson and now a Matt Stafford, and then you look at the, the positional players that those teams have, you have to have a team that is schematically not only put together to compete with them, but also, you know, can have the opportunity to punish them a little bit, you know? And I think that's, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, a, a pass rush that can just disrupt, you know, Russell's timing, you know, his worst games uh, against the Rams is because they're averaging, you know, four to six sacks a game against them, you know, and and uh, and they have a good track record uh, of beating them up a little bit. But that's where it starts, you know, especially with the teams we're playing. Like, we don't have the luxury of playing Jared Goff anymore, right? So, you know, we're going to... Stafford's not much different. <laughs> right. Better, better arm. Better arm, better decision-making, you know, can escape a little bit better. But, yeah, you're right. He's not... He's still not Lamar Jackson, right? And, and I, I'm not saying he is. I, I just think that you still need to have edges that are fast. Like a Drake Greenlaw is one of the best sideline to sideline linebackers that doesn't get spoken of, of about enough. Um, you know, Incredible Fred Warner. Speed, yeah, both of those yeah, guys. Yeah. Fred Warner to me. I mean, take your pick, him or Bobby Wagner. To me, they're the same guy. <laughs> they really are. Like if I if I did if I took off the decals of both their helmets and just put the same number on them, like you wouldn't be able to tell who's who. They're the same player to me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think we need to find more guys like that. But it starts with you know, it sounds like we both are in agreement that defense. You focus that in the second and third round. Um, mm-hmm. I, wide receiver is going to be important um, if you can get value there too. And, and I think that's something that I'm intrigued by is uh, getting another weapon for whoever we take at, at the three overall spot. Yeah, it definitely needs to be best overall because, like we said, there there's a need for offensive line. You can, you know, bolster your interior offensive line. Um, wide receiver, there's not many guys out outside of Ayuk and Debo, and um, cornerback, like we, we we had just talked about. So, yeah. and edge as well. You know, you want to have a solid rotation outside of Bosa. We're not too comfortable with either either of those other guys, uh, Ebukam mm-hmm. or Arden Key. I mean. Ebicom, he seems pretty promising to me. I'm really intrigued to see how he works in inside of uh, the 49ers scheme. Sure. But again, we still we just we don't know. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Maybe we should do like um get like our top five players at some of these positions, and then hope to see maybe the Niners uh, draft one of those at the second or third round. I think there's going to be a lot of value. Or a lot of um, there's a lot of talent coming out in this draft at cornerback and offensive line, so those can maybe even wait right. until a little bit later, um, and maybe focus on the edge position. And, and hopefully, yeah. one of those top three, four guys drops down to us in, in the second round at 43. Yeah, 
I mean, you know, the, the Seahawks waited on Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, and that kind of worked out for them. I know Earl Thomas was, was a first-round pick, but, you know, you, you can get studs uh, in the oh, later yeah. rounds at those positions. So Warner, Kittle. I mean, the, the Niners yeah. have hit on a couple of those. Greenlaw as well. I think he's, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, I think he's a solid guy, solid outside uh, linebacker. Mm-hmm. They got him, like, in the fifth round. Sixth round. Yeah, I think it was round. six, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty late. And Warner was what a uh, was he a third or fifth, some something like that. Kittle as well. So they've yeah. definitely found value later on in the draft that that have def- that's definitely paid off. Yeah. Well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, as we get closer, you know, I'm sure some of these names will move up and down um, in in the mock drafts. But you know, it sounds like we're we're in for a hell of a a hell of a week here coming up. So I'm excited. Thank you for listening to First and Gold.